A body is discovered in an unusual location. You're at a cemetery. It's full of dead bodies. But this one is not in a grave. He has no ID on him at all. He was sort of just dumped there. The investigation reveals a love triangle that might have turned violent. I think that she is obsessed. And he says going to break up with her. I went to him and asked him, have you lost your mind? Detectives uncover a killer with a single-minded need for more. She wanted to see if she could get his last paycheck and the insurance policy. It was all part of her cold, callous personality. She is a master manipulator, manipulating people to do her dirty work. You see, I know that. In today's case, we will be talking about Samuel Johnson Jr. He was born in San Antonio on December 8, 1983, to parents Samuel Sr. and Stephanie. He was the oldest of three children. Samuel was described as very determined. He wanted to become a lawyer at one point, but later dropped out of law school. After graduating from high school, Samuel met a woman named Erica Bridgeforth. Samuel's family all really fell in love with Erica, but after four years together, they decided to part ways because Samuel didn't think he was ready to settle down. Samuel, like I said, Samuel did end up dropping out of law school and wanted to get a job that would pay more. So he started working behind the counter at a gym. And in February 2007, he met a woman named Vanessa Cameron. Vanessa was also born in San Antonio and had one sister named Susan. Vanessa went on to work for the San Antonio Housing Authority. She had also purchased a new home and Samuel moved in with her. In 2008, they also had a son. In April 2009, Samuel told his family that there had been a fire at their house. They ended up losing their house, but everyone was safe. It was ruled as an accident. Vanessa had insured the house and received almost $300,000 for the damage. After the fire, Samuel, Vanessa, and their son moved in with Susan and her boyfriend, B.J. Brown. After two years of dating, Samuel and Vanessa broke up, and Samuel moved out and in with his brother. Vanessa had never given Samuel any of the money she received from the house fire. Samuel also reconnected with Erica. They got engaged, and Erica got pregnant in November 2009. Samuel would go missing just a few months later in January 2010. Just before 5 p.m. on January 17, 2010, a patrolman called the police station to say that there was a body found in the cemetery. A tourist had been walking by and had seen it, and they realized that the person was not moving. The victim had blood on his head and chest, and when the medical examiner came to the scene, they rolled the victim over and saw that the victim had been shot several times. There was a lack of blood at the scene, and it was clear that the victim had been killed several days earlier. The victim did not have an ID on him. The police checked the database to see if anyone had reported a young black male missing, and missing persons did find a report that matched the victim's description. It identified the victim as Samuel Johnson Jr. Samuel was 26 at the time, and he was reported on January 13th to be missing by his parents after he failed to come home after work. Samuel's dad and sister said that Samuel was very responsible and they just knew that something was wrong when no one could get in contact with him. 
On January 18th, the medical examiner did positively identify the victim as Samuel through fingerprints. When the police spoke to Samuel's family, Samuel Sr. told them that Samuel's car was missing and a bolo was put out. It was found the next day on the south side of San Antonio, about 40 miles away from where his body was found. The CSI team didn't find any fingerprints in the car, but there was a substance in the trunk that appeared to be blood. It was later confirmed to be human blood. There were no bullet holes found in the car. The police first had a theory that it was a random carjacking gone wrong, but they later ruled this out. When Samuel's official autopsy came back, it was revealed that he had been shot in the head, in the forearms and hand, and three shots to his torso. It was believed that he had been shot with a 22 caliber. He also had a contusion to his head, which had been done while he was still alive. The carjacking theory went out the window, and the police soon believed that Samuel knew his killer. Samuel Sr., Stephanie, and Erica all spoke to the police about Samuel's final days. They had last spoken to Samuel when he was getting ready to take Vanessa and their son to the airport. Samuel had also gotten a new job as a bus driver, and they thought that maybe they weren't hearing from him because he was busy training. They reached out to Vanessa, but she said she hadn't heard from Samuel since he dropped, her, dropped them off at the airport. The police confirmed that Samuel hadn't shown up for work or called in. The police believed that Vanessa had been the last person to see Samuel, but Erica revealed that she had seen Samuel after he dropped Vanessa and their son off. Erica said that Vanessa had agreed to give Samuel his cut of the money from the insurance and was going to leave it at her sister Susan's house. Samuel told Erica that he was going to go to Susan's to pick it up. Erica was supposed to see Samuel the next day, but didn't. Erica was asked who would have done anything to Samuel, and Erica said Vanessa. Erica was asked about her whereabouts from the night that Samuel went missing. She said she had been at choir practice at church. However, she was only there for a little while. The police didn't believe that Erica was involved, but they did turn their focus on what she said about Samuel picking up the money from Susan. And then they received a phone call from one of Vanessa's friends named Adrian. Adrian had been the friend that Vanessa went to see in Mississippi while she was there with her son. And Adrian reported that some odd things happened when Vanessa visited her. Adrian said that Vanessa had received a phone call that left her shaken. It was a phone call from Samuel. Vanessa told Adrian that they had been working on their relationship, but he became angry when she wanted to go to Mississippi. Adrian also reported that Vanessa told her that Samuel was harassing her for money and she was tired of it. Vanessa had also received another phone call from BJ Brown, Susan's boyfriend. Vanessa told Adrian that they had accidentally killed Samuel. Adrian asked who they were, and she said BJ and Susan. Vanessa also said that BJ's cousin, Lakeisha Brown, was involved, and they had gotten into it with Samuel. They were supposed to meet at a gas station. Samuel then hit his head on the curb, and they ended up leaving. Adrian thought that Vanessa was overreacting, but she kept bringing up the situation. Adrian said she and Vanessa had a falling out over it, so Vanessa left early. Adrian learned that it was not an accident. The police contacted Vanessa after learning of this information and asked her to bring Susan into to the police station. When they arrived, they were put into separate interview rooms. Vanessa confirmed that she had returned from Mississippi on January 17th, the day that Samuel's body was found in the cemetery. 
Vanessa was asked about her relationship with Samuel. She went on to say that Samuel was not going to be getting back together with Erica. Vanessa then said that she believed Erica had something to do with his murder because she was obsessed with Samuel. Susan was interviewed next, and she admitted that Samuel came over to pick up the money, but she said she didn't know anything about his death. The police told Susan that Vanessa had said she received a phone call from BJ while she was in Mississippi about accidentally killing Samuel. Susan got up and left the interview room after that, and she denied it, of course. She didn't believe that Vanessa had said it, or that BJ would have called Vanessa. Vanessa was confronted about the conversation the police had with Adrian, and Vanessa then shifted the blame to her sister Susan. Susan also ended up returning to the police station about 10 minutes later. Susan said she wanted to tell the police the truth because Vanessa was blaming this on her. Susan said Vanessa had been evil since they were little. She also said that Vanessa used her all the time. Susan said the fire at Vanessa's house was not an accident, and Vanessa had blown through her insurance money in about eight months. Susan said that Vanessa had come with a plan to get more money because Samuel had a life insurance policy that totaled around $750,000. Susan said the original plan was for her to get a gun and shoot Samuel. Susan and BJ weren't working at the time and were dependent on Vanessa. Susan said she couldn't do it, so BJ agreed to do it instead. BJ also recruited his cousin, Lakeisha, who agreed because she was promised money. Samuel was lured to Susan's house. Susan told him that she had money for him. Susan went upstairs and learned that Lakeisha and BJ had beaten Samuel, put him in the trunk of his car, and drove him to a ranch. It was at this ranch that they killed him. Samuel had asked why they were doing this and had begged for his life. Their responses was that it was what Vanessa had wanted. They then put Samuel's body back in his trunk and dumped his car. Lakeisha said she dismantled the gun and threw pieces out of the car. Lakeisha led the police to the ranch. There, they found nine shell casings. Inside a barbecue fit, the police recovered some burnt clothing, rope, and handcuffs. Lakeisha told the police that she and BJ hadn't put Samuel's body at the cemetery. And there's not a lot of information about how Samuel's body actually ended up there. So, I guess it's technically still a mystery. On January 21st, Vanessa was confronted. She admitted that she and Samuel, she had Samuel killed, but because he wanted to be killed. All four were arrested and charged with murder. The police learned that Vanessa had attempted to get Samuel's last paycheck and life insurance about 24 hours after his body was found. In February 2012, Vanessa went on trial. Susan and Lakeisha pled guilty in exchange for their testimonies against Vanessa. Vanessa was painted as the greedy mastermind and manipulator. Vanessa's defense was to blame her co-conspirators. The jury didn't deliberate that long, and Vanessa was convicted and was sentenced to 75 years in prison. Samuel's family told Vanessa that they absolutely despised her and that they would be at every hearing to make sure she spent her life in prison. In October 2013, BJ went on trial. There was no evidence to prove that BJ was the shooter, so he was acquitted. Susan is serving 25 years, and Lakeisha is serving 20 years. Vanessa's conviction was overturned on a technicality, but in 2019, she was again found guilty of murdering Samuel. Vanessa clearly manipulated her sister into helping her. 
by withholding her medication, but as far as the other two, I think they willingly agreed to help her. Vanessa thought she could get away with it by blaming other people. Not only did she put more focus on herself, but her sister ratted her out for being for burning down the house as well for to get money. Samuel was killed over money, and now he won't be able to see his children grow up. My book recommendation for this week is 20 Years Later by Charlie Donnelly. Avery Mason, host of American Events, knows the subjects that grab a TV audience's attention. Her latest story, A Murder Mystery Laced with Kinky Sex, Tragedy, and Betrayal, is guaranteed to be ratings gold. New DNA technology has allowed the New York Medical Examiner's Office to make its first successful identification of a 9-11 victim in years. The twist, the victim, Victoria Ford, has been accused of the gruesome murder of her married lover. In the chilling phone call to, to her sister, Victoria begged to, her to prove her innocence. Emma Kind has waited 20 years to put her sister to rest, but closure won't be complete until she can clear Victoria's name. Alone, she's had no luck, but she's convinced that Avery's connections and fame will help. Avery, hoping to negotiate a more lucrative network contract, goes into investigative overdrive. Victoria had been having an affair with a successful novelist found hanging with the balcony of his Catskills mansion. The rope, the bedroom, and the entire crime scene was covered in Victoria's DNA. But the twisted puzzle of Victoria's private life is just the beginning. And what Avery doesn't realize is that there are other players in the game who are interested in Avery's own secret past. One she has kept hidden from both the network executives and her television audience. A secret she thought was dead and buried. A TV host and journalist becomes interested in a case from about 20 years ago when a murder suspect was killed on 9-11. This person was not only killed but was identified with new cutting-edge DNA technology. This woman had secrets, but so does this TV host named Avery Mason. I really enjoyed the characters. I really enjoyed the book. It started off a little slow, but it was worth reading once the secrets about each character are revealed, and I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and email me. Buy me a coffee, and please leave me a 5-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation, and remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.